Hello everybody, I'm John McFarlane, Head of Creator Engagement here at Rare, and welcome to the all-new Sea of Thieves podcast. That was like a very American all-new, but like all-new <laughs> Sea of Thieves podcast, <laughs> where we're going to be joined by some familiar faces from the last podcast, and some new faces. So let's start with a new one. We've got Christina McGrath, who's Head of Community uh, here at Rare. We've got some of our old familiar faces, old being the key word there. Yeah. Joan Me, executive producer <laughs> on CFA. <CFDs. laughs> we've got Mike Chapman, uh, creative director on CFA. Um, brutal. Yeah. That brutal I've, never, I've never felt more old after the last year, honestly. And we're back. <laughs> but you'll also probably have noticed we've got two guests in this week. We've got Alex Hunnisett, who's head of our live service in Sea of Thieves, here to talk about uh, seasons. You may have noticed we launched that a couple of months ago. And we'll get Christopher Davis here, a senior designer in Sea of Thieves, to talk some uh, in-depth about some world events. Um, that's going to be some of the topics that we're covering this week. Um, and it's going to be mainly like seasons and world events. Christina's going to be taking some of your questions that she's been scouring the internet for uh, to the team here. But if you do have any questions that you want to ask for the next podcast, use the hashtag SOTPodcast on any of the social channels. Um, you can also watch this on YouTube. Uh, so if you're listening to our dulcet tones through years, but want to see our smiling faces, then check out YouTube, uh, see if these, uh, YouTube, the channel there and any reputable podcast app. If you want to maybe listen to us in the gym while you're curling biceps and want some inspiration from, uh, from Mike Chapman, that is the way to go. Yeah. Um, but let's get started. Uh, first off, and I'm going to throw this out to kind of everyone. I know we'll probably direct questions later, but how is everyone, Joe? Sure. It's good, actually. That's been my workout routine over the last year, actually, is just listening back to old videos of Mike. And, um, yeah. and just curling <laughs> biceps. Yeah. Not the quads, not the pecs, just, no, the, just biceps. the biceps. Just the I biceps. get the biceps, Alex gets the quads. Exactly. It's a different tone of voice for a different part of yeah. the body, right? It's part of, yeah, it's part of, part of the exactly. toning process, yeah. It's all um, about the vibration. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So how is everyone? How are we doing? Yeah. Great. It's sunny. Yeah. Like you can probably see. Finally. That's it. That's all that's all I've ever wanted was the sun. <laughs> well, I didn't realise how what a simple person I was, but yeah, it's um no, it's great. I think I'm 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 happy, I'm in a good mood. As everyone else. Yeah. Mate. Right. I'm yeah, I'm I'm good. I think that goes without saying the last year has been incredibly intense intense is probably the right word for all of us in terms of you know personally going through what we've all been going through with this pandemic also professionally still trying to keep the sea of thieves waters fresh running our live service adding new content and experiences so i think it's been intense for all of us but you know there's definitely light at the end of the tunnel now we're you know, the, the our game is more popular than ever, and I think that's something really positive to to kind of hold on to and build on. So, yeah, I'd I'd say I'm feeling quite chipper. I would say. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, Christina, like we've we've seen you yes. pop up here and there uh, so far on videos, <laughs> but can can you give us a wee bit of rundown of who who you are and because uh, yeah. you be a regular on this? You're now the regular. Oh. I've never been a regular for anything. <laughs> I'm going to just move on from that. Uh, yeah. So obviously I've been behind the scenes quite a lot of the time and have popped up like a mole occasionally to say some stuff on channels um, or do terrible guest appearances on the stream. So I'm really excited actually to bring community voice to 
these these podcasts. I think it'd be it's a really cool thing for us to be able to discuss things. But for me, the key <laughs> the key here is, you know, prepare yourselves um, to give our community answers to things they've been asking for a long time. So really excited to to bring that aspect here. Make sure that you guys are talking about the things that people want to hear about. Not that you know listening to Mike on workouts isn't a thing that people want to hear about, but we can um, <laughs> I'm here to ask the cold hard facts. Now I just want to make Chapman work at DVD. <laughs> I, I, I would do Mr. it. Motivator style. I would Mr. do it. Oh, as long as we could tease some new Sea of Thieves lore as part of it and tease some new features. We'd call it, um, what do you call it? Sea of Tees get fit in six easy steps. <laughs> Every hundred squats, you tease out a bit more info. <laughs> oh, that, that, that's the incentive. Come on, dig deep, dig deep. There's something going up soon on Merfolk. <laughs> um alex i mean I, I don't think did we ever have you on a a, a weekly stream were you on no i managed to avoid them successfully for my time at rest thus far so this is my first time in front of camera properly lurking behind the scenes for a while so yeah it's exciting so good to say hello to the community via camera as well or podcast whatever but yeah <laughs> and and Chris, we have, uh, we've let you out the cupboard. What you, uh... <laughs> I'm still in the cupboard. <laughs> I've just okay, been left the camera the in the cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm good. Kind of, as, as Mike and Joe said, it's been a tough year, but I, I feel so fortunate that we've had Sea of Thieves to work on, like to, to throw ourselves into, but you get so inspired and so buoyed by by the enjoyment we're seeing the community get like uh, and i think it's been a pleasure to be able to to kind of grow our game at this time for the community when they really needed it so yeah that's been an absolute inspiration in the past year so yeah, yeah really good how are you doing john oh thank you Ed. thank you very much i'm doing i'm doing very well uh i seem to you've probably all seen from the cfe news stuff that i usually record this in the, the living room but i'm in the bedroom today I'm in the office so you're getting a little tour of the house video by video as i go around eventually wait to the one where i'm on the toilet that's going to be the oh, wow. <laughs> revealing it's, it's so, a yeah. fabulously drawn out episode of cribs <laughs> 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 it's not um, quite ellen's like garden decking is it but no, like wait, no no, no. But, you know once we hit a certain amount of place 30 million or whatever right? yeah that's when the tiki torches get deployed get <laughs> <laughs> some more gas in the tiki torches <laughs> um but yeah chris you said that Obviously, we're growing, um, and that means and one of the biggest parts this year for us has been seasons. Um, so, Joe, I guess to start off from a high level of, of seasons, how like what was the thinking behind that? Like around the team, why were we doing it basically? Um, multiple reasons really. One, we really liked having an additional kind of layer of progression and goals kind of layered over the game subtly, but that give people things to kind of work towards um, as a separate goal to what they're kind of journeying towards uh, Pirate Legends. We like the rhythm of it. We really, you know, we've been trying, I think, for quite a while to get into that regular rhythm of, of delivery and of kind of setting players' expectations about what they're going to get and when and, and, and how and stuff. We did our monthly updates. Um, and, you know, they were like, they were great uh, in, a, in a lot of cases, but we 
didn't always manage to deliver kind of in that regular monthly rhythm. And there was kind of, you don't really know what to expect each time and, and stuff. And it was definitely a challenge over the last year while we've been kind of doing this shift to working from home and things. And so we've kind of taken what we think are the best of that, the best of those bigger updates that we did in the kind of the first year and kind of combined into this rhythm of like, um, the, the kind of three monthly uh, rhythm around seasons where you know you're going to get uh, the kind of start of a season heralds, the, the the introduction of some new stuff, some changes, some kind of change ups to the sandbox. But then also the kind of live event rhythm we've been adding to our game for the last few years now. We've got such a, a richness of kind of features and, and of content in the game. And actually, there's some really cool things that we can go do with live events. And I know we're going to talk a bit about that today in terms of kind of where we're at and where we want to go. Um, but so so that that's kind of just some of the thing there and then we're in a transition phase as well because we're transitioning to a new rhythm as a team right so we've kind of gone from the monthly updates into this and one of one of our teams which chris is um kind of a part of the, the gold hoarders which is the one of the name of the in, internal teams is um has been kind of responsible for for some of those uh, monthly updates in the latter part of last year, plus the launch of seasons, and they're going to be working on seasons too. And then in the background, we've got a couple of our other teams that are actually working on future content for seasons. And so we're definitely kind of in this transition where we want to get into a more regular rhythm of how we work and update as a team. So I've used this phrase before, and I'll use it again to kind of land expectations. But it's it's kind of walk and then you know and get into a running kind of place as we go through kind of the second half of this year. I think um, and and Chris and, and Chris and team have done an amazing job in terms of kind of being able to manage the um the live service to transition to seasons and stuff but yeah we've got some exciting things being worked on in the background for um for future seasons it's going to be an exciting year as i've, I've talked about our biggest year yet i think is our is the is the oft quoted promise um <laughs> from a throwaway tweet uh so yeah um but yeah that's kind of where where my head's out on seasons and yeah like, I, I, I was going to say um like creatively as well i think um kind of adding seasons into the game it just frees us up in that area as well in terms of you think about the types of features mechanics experiences that we want to have the scope to deliver in sea of thieves like we often talk in terms of how we wrap the feature into a whole experience in terms of what's the reason to engage with it what's the experience that you're going to have moment to moment when you're experiencing that new piece of content and why would you want to revisit in the future and like the truth is the scope of features that we can add into CFE doesn't always lend itself well to that approach. Some things you want to have into the game just because they feel joyful or just because they add to the magic of playing the game, especially in a game like CFEs where it is about the journey. It's not about the destination. Some of these features that we want to add and you know, we dream of adding in the future are about enriching that journey. So always having features on their own exposed to just entertain players and give them that reason to engage with it by just exploring the world and coming across new mysteries, new threads of lore, new features that just enrich that experience. I think that's where seasons come in in a really interesting way, is that you think about a progression system and the freedom that players have to join us on this journey, to make that journey to Pirate Legend and beyond. Anytime, they can discover any discover Sea of Thieves at any point and still have that compelling player journey. What we don't want to do is um, lose that sense of those constant goals in the game. So what Seasons brings into the game is that sense of a universal progression system where you can come in you know, at any point in the season and still feel like you've got goals to strive for and new, re new rewards to go and attain. And alongside that, we can ha add new experiences that headline that season that are... 
they may lend themselves to commendations, new goals, new rewards, have that storytelling aspect, or they might just be there to enrich the sandbox. And I think that gives us so much freedom creatively in terms of how we design features and giving us that, that scope. Um, but like, I'm, like Alex, and if you want to dig into a little bit more detail on, on how you see seasons. I think you've you've described them really well from a creative point of view. And I think really something to hammer in there is it really just makes the entire experience of jumping in CFBs from the off. From the second you jump in, you're already kind of everything you're doing is rewarding you for a session. And that was really a key intent with us is kind of sitting there and going, we all know the story of kind of setting sail, getting loot to massing it and then going and checking in. But how do you uh, ensure that players kind of feel more rewarded throughout their journey and we're making that experience as positive as possible? Um, so that's really why I feel Seasons has uh, had a really awesome impact just uh speaking anecdotally in my play sessions um i'm certainly earning more than i previously have um but yeah it, it's and also just yeah being rewarded for the breadth of the sandbox encourages you to go explore more of it and all the the easter eggs and the little bits and bobs that you can find along the way so yeah yeah it's um so oh go on chris I was going to say, I think that is the beauty of Seasons is that we know we've got such a broad sandbox. We know we've got a world that we want our players to immerse themselves in. And part of how you uphold that immersion is by not necessarily pushing them, being too overt with how you want them to play. You want the sandbox to be free for all of these players to play how they want. And again, that's how you elevate those interesting interactions as well when they do come together. You get these interesting there could be clashes in terms of what they're out to do. They could be collaborative, but that's how you never know what you're going to get when you encounter another crew as well. And the, the beauty of the season's design is it's like an umbrella that sits over all of these different motivations of play. No matter how you want to play, you are getting this tangible sense of progression across the season towards these great rewards that players want to hit throughout the season. We are yeah. not overly steering any particular type of play. So yeah. we get to maintain that CFD's joy that we've had prior to seasons coming in. I think it's beautiful. <laughs> yeah. we, should, um, we should let him out the cupboard more often that was yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is no it's like not not superseding the trading companies it's about sitting elegantly alongside like the, the trading companies in terms of the physicality of the loop that you pick up you know it's critical in our sandbox that those things remain vulnerable to loss that's what generates the stories. That's what generates the encounters before plays. You've heard, everyone's heard us say that time and time again. Um, but I think where seasons come in is rewarding the things that so far as part of developing this game have gone unrewarded. The things that make you feel good when you play Sea of Thieves that are just a footnote. Now we're actually stepping in and rewarding them, but without basically stepping on the shoes of the trading company. So that those powerful stories can still occur. Those things are still vulnerable to loss. But the balance of loss is just a little bit more in favour of the players. I think it's a nicer balance overall. And that was a really interesting challenge about it all, right, is we obviously had this pre-existing progression system that we had to kind of figure out how we were complemented and contrasted against. And just, I feel Seasons has hit that really nice balance of throughout that play session and still, you know, loot is really the end goal, but it's it's how, how you make those sessions feel more rewarding. It's, yeah, it's it's been an interesting challenge to feel out like how we get that balance and how we make each play session feel right but it's something we're continuing to evolve right but yeah absolutely joe you said you used the like, kind of phrase of like starting to like walking and then and then into to running but i would probably put this to both, both you and and alex of we are walking but we are at the same time learning from seasons like season one was very much like a learning exercise for us as well is, is there anything that's come out of it that we go like oh 
like yeah that that really stuck out or what's went well as well from it alex take these alex is your yeah. man for for learnings and data and insights <laughs> I love it. So no, Seasons has been really interesting as we kind of touched on the idea of us kind of rewarding play sessions as opposed to just kind of uh, that end play session. Certainly we're seeing uh, folks end up playing Sandbox, which is a great thing to see. Folks are turning up more regularly, which is great. Um, but really, I guess the, the interesting thing that we found from Seasons is speaking openly like we we kind of we know the kind of patterns of play that people show we know how kind of people come and interact with our game be it how they're actually playing in their sessions or how frequently they're turning up and seasons has certainly allowed players to turn up for more bite-sized chunks if they want to i'm going to dip and do some fishing and level up through seasons in a way that i previously wouldn't have um right through to kind of those those bumper sessions if they don't manage to catch in their loop or they come up against a reaper um like that that may may mean we don't see them for a while but they're actually still coming back because they've still got that uh, progression so it feels like we're actually doing a much better job of rewarding players no matter what happens which is which has been really interesting um and that's something we're continuing to learn on an iterate for season two is like how how do we then take those and make sure that we're adding to season's progression in a way that makes it feel even even more rewarding right and that uh, as joe's kind of alluded to with the walking and running it's been a case of you know, we're learning from season one now uh, while building season two, but you'll start to see a lot of these uh, kind of learnings start to kind of tease out in future seasons as well. Um, there's only so much we can we can put in season to season, but you'll definitely start to see that evolve out, right, Joe, in terms of things we learn today, uh, kind of appearing not just necessarily in season two, but then in season three, season four, and so on. Yeah, yeah, because like our development with them means that as we're kind of as we launch season one we're right already in the mix of developing season two we're kind of in the closing down phases of that and so there's only so many learnings you can take in a small window which are generally number tweaks and changes right and then anything that's a bit more fundamental will be something that probably folds into the following season so you'll kind of you'll see changes we can make safely happen in season kind of two and then you'll see bigger changes kind of in season three and season four as we kind of move forward um just just part of that ongoing development rhythm so it's been awesome to see season one, though, and seeing, I mean, just for me, seeing uh, players re-engaging with Skeleton Thrones through the trials, re-engaging with mermaid statues, showing off their cosmetics, sharing their pictures on social social media in terms of like, the latest they've attained and getting the pirate legend curse and all of that. I think that, that's been awesome to see. But the capability to, I guess, bring in new goals with, with their new features, but also spotlight older content, that's... A lot of our players really enjoyed like the old builder adventure stuff, being able to spotlight that again as part of optional kind of like seasonal progression boosting you renown. I think that's been it's been great to see people resonate with that really well. And, and, and we've welcomed so many new players since we last did Skeleton Thrones, for example, right? So actually yeah. highlighting uh, the, these new things that you may not have been aware of for those of you who weren't uh, listening to us when we were doing our previous podcast. There's, there's a, a bunch of stuff that we're looking to highlight and spotlight uh, for you guys as well. So it's, yeah. So when, were, when were Skeleton Thrones? Was that our first Builder Adventure? Our very, uh, very first. So like July 2019, approximately, something like that? Well, it, it depends. Yeah, I mean, Hungry Indeed was our first kind of in, kind of engagement event, you could argue. Yeah. But then Skeleton Thrones would be, was that June? Was it June? 
Which, it was after anniversary, wasn't it? It was the first one after anniversary, right? Or, no, no, was it? No, no, it was, it was, it was yeah, back, yeah, back yeah. in 2018. Oh, it was it 2018, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah you're right. I think yeah, Hunger Green Deep yeah. was Hunger Green Deep was May. I, I believe it was around, June, July, I believe. Uh, okay. um, and we yeah. did uh, Skelly Thrones. I think we did Gunpowder Skellies and a few others ahead of ourselves, right? So Yeah, yeah. 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 So, Wow. Yeah, yeah, right. Like so, into the amount of people that have kind of been been through the sea of these adventures since then is is crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Christina oh, and Thrones. I'm, I'm jumping in with a question, John. Yeah, I'm ready. Yeah, I was going to say. I was gonna say yeah. <laughs> I'm ready. Here we go. It's my moment to shine. Or the community <laughs> moment to shine. Not credit. So, There's many opportunities. A lot of the a lot of the feedback we've had about seasons has been really positive. I think one of the behaviours we were almost anticipating to some extent internally was that people would get a little annoyed with the notifications that we would have. Like you've done another nautical mile, but actually, what we're finding is a lot of plays of really enjoyed the pat on the back, like just for sailing around on a voyage or just for sailing around. Um, so that's been a really nice thing to see, but people have really appreciated it. And I think it has kind of stretched out an experience in terms of what you experience in the sandbox. But I think one of the, the key things that we've had kind of mixed feedback around are live events. Obviously, Joe, as you alluded to, that's something that we've fetched in as part of kind of the seasonal rhythm. Um, but in terms of what we've got planned for live events and, and kind of that capability. Alex, do you want to talk a little bit more about that? Totally. So live events has been an interesting one that we've kind of built up over time, right? We started small uh, with little challenges. So for those of you who've been around a while, you'll probably remember kind of the original kind of fishing contest that's then evolved into all sorts of things since. And that's been kind of an evolving tool set that we've been looking to use um and kind of used to complement seasons and as joe spoke to it's it's about giving a variety of things to do uh throughout the season um it's something that we're continuing to invest in and as kind of joe's alluded to um with, with kind of team structure it's been something that kind of chris and i have been working on together in terms of how do we make each event feel different feel unique give you different things and different experiences to go do all the while kind of identifying well there's probably areas we could go evolve our capabilities and go evolve our tool sets so we've got some pretty cool ideas that i don't want to kind of go too deeply into today there's got to be a little bit of cts there um but there's something that we're actively thinking about for kind of season three season four in terms of how do we really start leveling up these events and kind of um make them feel more experiential um, and really kind of inject that CFU's magic into them in a way that's kind of right now, it's definitely looking to kind of reheat old content and as great as Skeleton Thrones are to go do, for example, you know, I can imagine why that might get a little bit samey, um, but it's something we're definitely kind of looking at and exploring in terms of like, how do we make these feel really experiential and uh, make them be kind of memorable moments that you'll still get your cool rewards for, um, but that's not necessarily the crux of them, like they kind of mm -hmm. like they are today. Yeah, the, I think... Is it, yeah. Oh, I was going to say, is it worth as well for, for some folks uh, out there who are listening, telling us the difference between what a live event is and what an in-game event is? Like, what, what separates that? Like, what are the tool things that we're, tools and stuff that we're going to build there to make it happen? Because I think it's, it's nice, like, separating those two things. Is this one? Alex, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Straight back at you. Cool. Um, I'm not used to answering so many questions. Uh, so, yeah, we, so live events are kind of what we would describe as limited time events that happen for a period of in-world time. Uh, so right now, I believe we have Vault Raiders Live, um, which is all about kind of diving back into gold vaults. Um, and no doubt, and that's one that Chris has kind of uh, worked on as well. So, in fact, Chris, did you want to talk about Vault, uh, Vault Raiders as an example of a uh, live event? 
I mean, yeah, I think I think at the at the ultimate highest level, I think we have what you might deem to be our traditional updates, which add persistent value to the sandbox. They grow, they enrich the world, whereas live events are a bit more transient. They are tweaking certain things. They are sending players, sending our crews to particular activities, knowing that by sending crews together, you might be creating, again, some interesting encounters, some interesting stories to tell. You're kind of giving players that extra little nudge in terms of, again, we've got this great broad sandbox. There's so many different things to do. But hold on, players, if you do this particular thing during this moment of time, you get to earn these particularly exclusive rewards for this moment of time. And again, the, that little twist just can can have a significant change in the feel of your gameplay sessions during that period of time. And where we think about the long-term future of live events, like right now we are leaning very much on tracking things that we've established uh, as things players can do in the past historically in the sandbox but we feel huge potential to make more of that transient moment in time to make more unforgettable stories that players can tell further down the line in terms of do you remember when this thing happened in the CFE's world and I think people definitely have fond memories of some of the earlier Buildrat adventures and we, we're always trying to think of how can we bring some of that magic, some of those long-term memories to our future live events. And that's certainly a lot of where the conversations that, that me and Alex have when we talk about the future of live events, uh, that's, yeah. that's definitely yeah. the direction we want to go in. I think, I think it's kind of, it's speaking to the potential of Sea of Thieves as a, as a world, right? You can escape into, that's what it comes down to. Um, Players are part of that timeline and these major moments, these moments in time happen, these in-game celebrations that bring people together. We've experimented with that a lot in the past. I mean, it's no mistake that, you know, we've used the language like Festival of Giving and like um, Festival of the Damned. It's about creating these moments in time that players remember. And I think the idea of having events in a world like Sea of Thieves makes absolute sense. I mean, it always has, right? The fact that every time you turn on Sea of Thieves, there's something, there's a new mystery to go and cover. There's a new, there's a new experience to go and engage with. And I, I think, I think a, a lot of people listening will remember back to a lot of the stuff that we've done with voyages in the past in terms of bringing players together, um, showcasing gunpowder kegs or showcasing Reapers runs or, you know, that was the tool set that we're using at the time to create those kind of in-game moments. And that's the kind of sophistication we want to get into our live events and then go beyond that. That you're not... The, the experience on offer is why you want to come in because it's got from just like an elevator pitch, just from a, just from a one-sentence idea, it's like, oh my God, that would be amazing to do in Sea of Thieves. Uh, but, oh, and I also get the reward at the end of it. I think... With right now, with the sophistication that we had, like some of that pressure does feel like it's on more on the reward rather than about the adventure itself. But that's where we want to be in terms of sophistication of the adventures and the memories that we can create. And I think it, it's like no matter what terminology we kind of use to describe what a, what a live event is, I think like it feels so natural in the CFE's world that it's a real world with time and a calendar and, you know, interesting things are happening week in month month in month out and that's 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 the gap that we want to fill and we're, we're on that journey um but we'll 
we'll absolutely get there. Yeah, I, I think it's amazing. I think the, the one key thing as well that kind of has been brought out from a lot of kind of community feedback is that there is a lot of, um, for want of a better word, generosity around the seasonal progression system. You know, we've got live events with bespoke rewards as you move through the 100 um, tiers you get <coughs> rewards at kind of every single point. And then obviously you've got the plunder pass, which layers on another level of rewards for those who've, who've purchased the plunder pass. So I think in terms of what people can do and what they can be rewarded with, we're just, we're seemingly kind of that have the opportunity for players to earn even more than usual, especially when you look at, John, things like you're doing with Twitch drops. So I think it's fair to say that Seasons is kind of not only sort of changing the way that people play and engage with the game, but like changes the kind of just amount of things on offer for people who want to really just dive into Sea of Thieves and, and pick any, as many parts as they'd like. And that was really important to us, right? Like in terms of the generosity and how we structured seasons, it was very much around like, how do we make this as kind of player friendly and really focused around kind of rewarding as possible. So like when you talk about stuff like the plunder pass, like obviously that's indexed in a certain way. And we had lots of conversations about what the balance of that felt like and what was what was the rare version of that? What was the CFB's version of that? And it really was about like, how do we best reward the players and make that experience feel great for them while still giving them an option to get extra shiny stuff if they'd want to, but not making that kind of the focus um, over the season, which I feel like we've added a really strong balance on as well. Yeah, I think that goes back to, Christina, what you were saying around the, oh, will the kind of constant notifications in the upper left, will that feel too intrusive? But I think, I think that's leveraging that opportunity to go, adding a system like this makes sense in terms of giving our players something new to engage with, but that's not enough. How does that then make its home in Sea of Thieves? It's got to pay its dues in terms of how it fits into the experience. And there was an opportunity there to kind of change the game feel in terms of what it feels like to attain these little incremental baby step goals along the way. And I think, I think that's the bit that I think beyond, beyond the kind of system I think, I think I'm really proud of, I think we're all really proud of, is just how it's changed the fundamental feel of Sea of Thieves. And exactly to your point, Alex, whether it's the seasons or it's the live events, like it's not, it's not okay to just do that. We've got to make it feel at home in Sea of Thieves and give, give it that Sea of Thieves difference. And that's something we're, we're obviously continue to, to be committed to. It's, it's all about cool. valuing the player's time as well. We are so grateful for the time our players spend in the game. And... I think like those notifications, they're reassuring to players. They're like, again, it's it's a broad sandbox of potential. And we want players to feel like anything goes, no matter how they want to play. We want to reward them for playing in that way. And those notifications help uh, to a very large degree to reassure those players to be like, you know what? The, the session might not go to plan. You will encounter other crews that might not align with what you want to do. You may encounter a Kraken Skelly ship combo that, that, that kind of ends the session with less than what you thought you might get. But we are providing those reassurances that you aren't playing the game wrong. Like, just please carry on doing what you're doing because <laughs> it, is, it is a perfectly valid way to play yeah. like we, we are creating a, a world of piracy of exploration of adventure and however you want to experience that world we want to make sure that that you're happy doing so and so we like i, I we, love that yeah. <laughs> yeah it's like you're you're bottling up poetry here chris yeah. <laughs> uh so we, we've kind of talked about 
in talking about seasons, we've talked about the progression system, which is like obviously it's a part of seasons, but seasons as a whole is as a package of everything, and along with that comes content uh, that we usually uh, drop at the very start uh, of a of a season. Is there anything? Mike, I'm looking at you here. Uh, is there anything that, as we we look forward, like what can we expect from the types of content that come yeah. in there? Not necessarily the content itself, because I know we want to keep that mm-hmm. uh, here, but the mm. types of content. That, yeah, let's just blow the doors open white right now. <laughs> no, um, no, I think I think I, there's. I kind of alluded to it at the start, but I think there's with with a you know shared world like Sea of Thieves, there's there's, there's a there's obviously a bunch of things that we've always wanted to do that we haven't done yet. There's a lot of things our community ask for that we look at and we go, absolutely, that makes a lot of sense in our world. Or maybe not immediately, but with this little twist on it, it could work in Sea of Thieves. And that speaks to new systems, new ways of play, reasons to engage with all of the content, which I guess Season speaks to. New mechanics, new opportunities to get more humor into the game, more tone into the game, things that they don't need to have rewards hung on them. They're just these interesting little toy-like mechanics that we still want to add to the game. Um, new creatures to in- encounter, new mysteries that we want to add to the world. So I think when it comes to seasons, the scope of content that we want to add, it really runs the gamut of all of that, right? Like, I think that's where we wanted to, I mean, the way Joe talked about it in terms of how we structured the teams and how those teams go and run at that content, it's very much about freeing ourselves up to be able to have the freedom to do any of those things. As in, some of those things take take longer than a few months. Some of those things are longer running features that need to be worked on in the background. Some of them, especially if they're having a massive impact on that shared world or on the way players play, there's an element of prototyping there as well. So I think it's 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 about buying ourselves the time to be able to do those longer running, more impactful features. But the cool thing is that when they are ready and we're happy to release them, they then headline a season. So players come in, they've got those new goals to attain. There might be goals attached to that new experience that we've added, um, but it's it's part of that that three-monthly refresh of Sea of Thieves where this new piece of content that's going to be there forever from that point onwards, it then sits in the spotlight. But in terms of where we are now and as we look to the rest of 2021, there's, like, I will say there's pretty, there's like, in all of those buckets of, like, different experiences and cool things you could do in Sea of Thieves, I think we've pretty much got an example of something in every single one, um, which makes me incredibly excited in terms of how it's going to change the adventures that you can have, build on the lore of Sea of Thieves, continue to build out that world, answer some of the mysteries that we've been teasing for many, many years in some regard. Like, <laughs> I've, I've often, I think... I think I described it once on a podcast as it's like figure skating. Like you've got all these narrative threads and we like to leave them out there to percolate for the community to speculate on because that's the fun of working on a live service, right? You get to keep building the stories. But having to essentially double back on those things and then loop them in in unexpected ways, that is, that's the privilege, that's the joy of building a game like Sea of Thieves. So you're going to see us do all of that this year. And uh, yeah, when when you kind of... You asked that question at the start about how we are. Um, that that's a bit that like makes me incredibly excited for, for this year on Sea of Thieves in terms of giving people hopefully some of the stuff they they they've wanted for some time, but also hopefully completely doing something unexpected. And it's I think it's interesting with seasons as well because we're only obviously we're only fairly 
freshly into our seasonal rhythm, right? And and we're into the kind of planning process for future stuff. And I think for seasons, there could be, like Mike says, a season that's kind of headlines around a specific thing that comes into the, the game and, and kind of um, changes everything. Or it could be a, a, a more of a smorgasbord of kind of smaller things and tweaks and changes to our sandbox that kind of make the whole thing feel different, but there isn't one thing that you could kind of to pin it on. And I, and it's, it'll kind of change based on how we feel Sea of Thieves is, what we think the biggest opportunities are, what the biggest bits of feedback from our players are. And so each, every few months now, we sit down and we actually go through a kind of strategic planning process where we take the latest player um, feedback from kind of the community, from our surveys, from kind of our user research, from all of the data that we've got from the game. Um, we sit and, and everybody comes up with their kind of one-pager ideas that they think can kind of go and tackle the biggest kind of opportunities that we have. We do a, a kind of voting filtering process process to go through so we don't we've done that already for kind of one of the future seasons um a couple of months ago now i think and now we're already in that process for even the kind of the future season towards the end of the year and stuff and it's actually always really interesting right to kind of because because everything does change right like we've introduced seasons things have changed and so it's like okay cool what has changed what has it done what's been great what new opportunities are there um and so it's it's really fascinating to be able to bring everybody's different inputs and insights into that and to see what comes out of it. Because I think historically, um, it's kind of been quite top down, I think, in terms of like myself and Mike and, and, and Drew and Sean as, as leaders will go and sit down and do a bit of a roadmap planning kind of exercise. And we'll, we'll take everyone's kind of feedback and insights on board, but we're trying to make it a bit broader and kind of get each of the teams to really kind of be like, no, this is the thing we're all passionate about and why, and and here, and we can provide a bit of steering and feedback. But um, I think it's, it's a really interesting and fun process and um, it kind of makes it a bit harder to know exactly what's going to be coming in a year but we you know um because it's going to be what comes out of that process what comes out of that, that kind of learning but it's it's super exciting and, and the stuff that we do know about and that we do know that we've um um that, that we're kind of locked in on is is very exciting for this year um yeah. and as it as is the kind of backlog of all those one pages that haven't quite made the cut yet right um there's some very very cool stuff in that i was about to say like mike kind of alluded to it as well just the huge <laughs> But when, like, it barely feels like we've got started in some ways when you look at how many things came out of that particular planning session. And that was so exciting for Sea of Thieves. It's just still so many things that are on the horizon, right? So many things that we, we can go do. Um, it's it's super, super exciting. And just to kind of see that kind of unbridled creativity come out of that group in that session. Yeah. And, knowing, you know, we've got another one and another one coming. It's It's going to, yeah, really looking forward to that. I think on, on the horizon, sorry, I think that was the first accidental pun of the whole podcast. I'm a bit disappointed that it took that long. Um, <laughs> well, well, it's, well played. It's, it's, it's the first one. Wait, wait till episode three. We'll be it by then. Um, <laughs> to what Alex says as well, like, I, I, I completely believe that. I, I, like If we do that process in another three years, it's going to feel exactly the same. Like It's a fantastical pirate world, and a million times, but that like there will always be that new creative scope to add new experiences into the game there will be new stories to tell it's kind of written into the lore of the game right that's the type of world that is There's, that scope will always be there and i think what's just to kind of put the bow on it <laughs> i think the the way i kind of think about it is there's there there is there is there is for me from a creative perspective there's almost a there's an undeniable direction in which the game is heading in and we're moving more and more in that direction each year but then the scope of the game is that you've got all of this potential in which to fill it with. And I think that's where 
opening up broader to the team, going through that planning phase where everything is on the table. It doesn't matter what type of content it is. We should consider it. And if, if, if that kind of higher level direction of generally which way the game is going, if that stays true, then that's going to happen anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think it's just, it's just the, the scope of how we can expand this game remains as strong as ever. And, and I really don't think that will ever change because of the type of world that we've, we've all created together. Awesome. And well, that moves us swiftly onto the next section where we're going to be, uh, I think, when we're talking about content there and talking about previous content, one of the, the main things that you picked up, Christina, within the community has been world events, right? Like there's been chat about world events. And I'm going to leave it in, in your capable hands with questions from the community for this one, because, uh, and you can go through and, and ask some of the folks here. Sure, we've got a few. So actually, Alex, your pun of on the horizon is stunning to lead us into world events and clouds and what you see when you're in the world. Um, so in terms of world events, we've seen a lot of feedback and effectively our community is starting to notice some patterns with how they spawn. And those are the things I want to kind of dig into. Um, so, Chris, I'm going to pick on you for this one. Apologies. <clears throat> um, you know, they've noted that there's a rhythm where yeah, Kraken, for example, only spawn when a world event is finished and there are no clouds in the sky, etc. Like, have we got plans to mix up that kind of seeming predictability? I mean, that's good timing. Uh, yes, it's something that we had also uh, kind of identified uh, on the team as an area that we definitely wanted to address. Like, world events all up. Again, when I talk about the breadth of activities for players to do and how we don't want to force crews together like in a kind of a cheaty way but what we do want to do is provide incentives like irresistible incentives for crews to want to go to a certain place in the world and that's exactly what our world events particularly the ones that have that that server wide that that map wide call to action you get this cloud spawning in the sky saying big thing here loot to be had here everyone come here um but there's also that balance in terms of if you have those too often then you can kind of you, you they can lose that pull that can, they can lose some of that irresistible nature and that all of a sudden you think well i could carry on what i'm doing now because there will always be another opportunity and, and so that's something that we really wanted to focus on, certainly for, for an, an upcoming update, is what we can do to really get that excitement again, where you get a crew, all of a sudden you get this sign on the skyline, on the horizon, that gives that crew this irresistible urge. They, they, they want to drop tools, they want to drop what they're doing because they feel irresistibly compelled to go there now. That 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 kind of fear of missing out if they don't take part in this right now like they're, they're, they're going to feel like they're missing out so a lot of our thinking is going into that and again like you say when when some of our more canny players can identify patterns it takes away some of that mystery it takes away some of that surprise which again goes against what we want these world events to be like they need to feel organic they need to feel naturally arising they need to surprise when they happen and that's where you hit those right player emotions when they do arise of oh my god it's here let's go there now it's like when the ice cream van arrives at rare in the summer <laughs> 
and everyone's <laughs> just gone. And you're like, what Never is it? And, uh, and you well, always, you, you never you, make it to the front of the queue. If you want to see PvP, I mean, <laughs> stuff, stuff you've got to be. Get <laughs> into the queue, there's no alliances going on around there. Um, <laughs> for those oyster ice creams. If you, you notice, that, though, there was that, there was that uh, core group of engaged ice cream lickers that knew. <laughs> they knew exactly when the ice cream van would turn up. And they were always there at the front of the queue. They so. also had a contact, didn't they? I think Anna at kind of... Yeah. Yeah, at the front there. Yeah, she'd always be like, she'd message her favoured few and let them know. Like, it's coming down yeah. the drive now. It's coming. <laughs> so you want that ice cream surprise for everyone. And so, yeah, we've taken that ethos to our work unfolded there where people would then learn who the chosen few was and spend very careful attention waiting for them to move their desk and then peering out to see if an ice cream van was there as well. Exactly, yeah. But yeah. in that analogy, we are now, with their world events, we are now like, not just having it arrive on a Friday, but it might be a Monday or a Wednesday and you never know right. when it's going to come down the drive. Like, cause, yeah. it, it, it is the whole, the whole, the whole subject of world events is a, is a fascinating area, right, in terms of, it, it, it's right there in the centre of that shared world game design in terms of you want, it's essentially that moment to, exactly as, as Chris eloquently explained. It's about stirring the pot. It's about mixing up people in that shared world and getting them to, to go to these choke points. But equally, the power of world events is for the people that don't want to engage with them. Because for them, it also makes the seas quieter. So no matter how you're focused as a player in Sea of Thieves, world events do have an impact on, on you, whether you choose to engage with them or not. And I think, I mean, the world event... World event scheduler, as it's kind of known behind the scenes, not a very interesting name. Um, but that was that that functionality was what we added. I mean, some of our games players will know um, shrouded spores around shrouded spores, and we added the passive skeleton ships and, and and kind of changed the frequency of the kraken and the forts and all of that. So that system has had to do quite a lot. I mean, we we've never wanted to add new experiences into Sea of Thieves that impactful and then take them away. So we started the journey with skeleton forts, and then we've added skeleton fleet battles, and then ashen lords, uh, and then ghost ship battles with Flameheart. So the list of events to schedule has got longer and longer and longer, and we don't want to take those out of rotation. But you know, to what Alex was alluding to as well, we can also look at which ones are most popular, which ones do our players want to engage with, which ones still have power but not as frequent they can be more of a special event where they happen more infrequently and, and i think the skeleton forts are a fantastic example versus how we handled them at launch versus how we handled them now and i think the the pure the purity of launch was that you wouldn't see a skeleton fort you know hours would pass every three hours it was like a range on it but roughly every three hours you'd have a skeleton fort encounter so there wasn't always a world event available so when it did come up you'd have the ice cream van analogy you'd have exactly how chris described everyone just just drops plates and they smash on the floor and they just run down the corridor like everyone go everyone goes to uh, the skeleton fort whereas i think part of giving players more choice with the content they can engage with was around always having one of those clouds available with very little gaps so if you want to go treasure hunt, you want to go do merchant quests, you want to go solve riddle quests, you can go do that, or you can choose to engage with the world event. So part of part of like looking at the schedule again is about, I guess, identifying that flame heart is awesome. We want to keep it in the game. It's a great piece, great experience for players to engage with. Same with the skeleton fleet battles, same, same with the Ashen Lords. But we should try and look at what things our players are finding most popular and using that to balance the world event scheduler. And then also alluding to with the forts, 
um, the opportunity to bring in new types of world events where the existing Forte experience is available on a, you know, a steady rotation for players, but some of that I've got to go engage with it kind of feeling. I've got to drop everything and I really want to go over there. Like we want to have that as well, which is where uh, Forte Fortune comes in, right, Chris? That's exactly it. It's, it's again, we want to try and rekindle some of that magic. When Forts were first introduced, they had such a big impact, like hitting those notes, as I say, of players of crew seeing that cloud getting excited wanting to take part and with thoughts of fortune again that was that was core to the thinking of that how can we make that skull cloud exciting like thought of the damned also did that but that's a couple of years back now and we thought it was the right kind of time to again can what would with all these additions that we've made to the game since thoughts were first introduced what can we do to make a, a contemporary fort based on those additions that we made that can mix up the gameplay, make it feel distinctly different, taking part in the Fort of Fortune relative to taking part in the Fort of the Damned and in standard forts. Um, so that, that all of those areas have been our, our kind of core focal points. And yeah, it's, it's something we're very excited about. And it's, it's, a, it's an opportunity as well for us to have another one of those moments where when you open the vault, the vault door, and again, that wave of emotion hits you of a player. You've got the relief of clearing the fort, that satisfaction. But then that, that joy and that, oh my God, how am I going to prioritize this with just a vault full of amazing loot, knowing as well that other crews will be closing in as well based on that Fort of Fortune cloud. Like, it, it's... It's going to be a fun one to watch those encounters. Um, and, and again, that's something that is always a pleasure with these updates as well, is just hitting the, the, the streams afterwards to see how our community engages with these features. And, and like I remember, as I say, Fort of the Damned having that moment, Fort's having that moment, and Fort of Fortune is absolutely going to have that moment as well. Really excited. So... Chris, just on that, I think one of the, the things that we've seen come up around the community, I think where you can talk about Fort of Fortune a little more, is that obviously we've been out for over three years now and the, the payout from kind of world events hasn't necessarily changed to reflect what the kind of new kind of gold economy, of, for example, of the game is. What does Fort of Fortune bring to that conversation or how does it answer that question? I mean, yeah, we, as part of this whole process, we've also kind of addressed the existing fort loots as well. So, so we'll be kind of nudging those up to again, have parity with, with everything else in the game, but with Fort of Fortune in particular, like to get that, that sense of we need to take part. First of all, it's going to be far less common than the standard fort and the rewards are going to be a, a clear step above what players have had before now if you are i will say if you were wanting to work your way up to athena's 20 you may want to go for the uh, fort of fortune as well like in terms of legendary loot like it is it is a vault chock full of legendary loot but again ensuring we maintain that 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 spread across all of our trading companies as well so that it, that no one has a reason to not want to take part because if you can clear the fort and if you can successfully get away with the loot inside, 
uh, you'll you'll have a great big smile on your face at the end of that question. <laughs> um, you, you, you'll see your levels will have will have gone up a fair bit. So yeah, uh, it, don't want to necessarily be too specific. I want people to have that surprise of what they face, but be excited. It is it is a step above uh, the other fort loot. You will have a great big smile on your face, whether you want <laughs> yeah. it or not. It will just be a great big smile on your face. Yeah, you <laughs> then every design pitch that line, shouldn't it? <laughs> I already do. I already do. Yeah. <laughs> I just I won't end it with a smile. I'll end it with panic. I'm like, I've got I've got to get to an outpost and exactly. like cash this in. Someone's going to be following me. This is going to be a nightmare. The anxiety it's going to fetch on. There'll be a lot of that as well for sure. But yeah. Um, but, but again, that that's all part of the appeal of the forts and all part of how it can result in those interesting encounters and the tension you feel as a crew as well like the longer you know as well that this great big signal is in the sky of massive amounts of high value loot here you know that unless you can clear it quickly you're going to get other crews coming in and again this is all part of the design for the experience as well, knowing that this is going to be at the back of players' minds is like, what opportunities have they got to strategize, to try and optimize their route through the fort? Uh, again, this is something that our existing forts crews can do to some degree, but we wanted that bit of strategy to be again at the heart of this new fort experience. So definitely excited to see how our canny community can can optimize their routes beyond what we've anticipated internally with our playtests. My favorite bit is the sound. It's something we've always wanted yeah. to do for a long time, but now there is a sound that can be heard across the world when the Fort of Fortune becomes active. And it's, 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 a, it's perfect, in my opinion, that this sound it is, it is like, Hans Zimmer is in there and his little keyboard underneath the fort. It's just, it's just, it's just, like, it's just this chilling sound uh, it, that just like heralds the arrival of this fort. So it's something we've we've always wanted to do, and we're like technically we've struggled on different features, but we finally got it working, and it's it's perfect for the Fort of Fortune. So you've not only got to look for the visual of the the kind of huge cloud in the sky, you've also got that kind of sound, which is. I can Very tell cool. Bob's itching to do an impression of it, by the way. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was actually going to do it. Do it, do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. You can use it as the jingle. I need to. It's more like... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that... Yeah, that... <laughs> Close enough. Close. <laughs> a, little, a, little bit, a little bit longer on it, but yeah, that, <laughs> that wasn't quite as scary as the real one. Nah, yeah. I think yeah, Hans Zimmer did a better job. <laughs> <laughs> Pay good money to just have you, John, do all of the sounds for like a trailer. Just have you do all of them. Your skellies, your like, <laughs> your like cannon fire, your forts, like yeah. Big the time. music over the top, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. individually. One question I did want to ask, and this is genuinely a question I I, I don't I do not know the answer to, so it'll be interesting. Do we consider uh, skeleton like roaming skeleton ships and uh, or appearing skeleton ships and uh, krakens and stuff as? part of our world events manager is that something that happens there or is it separate to that uh it's it's the same it's all it's all governed in the same um kind of scheduler and it, that's 
that's part of the challenge um, because I guess the we call them passive skeleton ships, but the skeleton ships that just sail around the world, they are more like, I guess, conceptually like the clouds in terms of if you don't choose to engage with them, they typically, you're not going to get pulled into that experience. Whereas there's things like the Kraken and the ambushing skeleton ships that emerge out of the water, that's a, you know, the definition of an emergent experience that strikes you no matter where you are. So obviously part of the challenge is we want the chance for those encounters to happen because it could lead to a really memorable story, but you certainly don't want them at the frequency of just having the choice to go and engage with the other kinds of encounters in the world. So that's really the kind of trade-off that we're balancing in terms of surprising people, but also essentially laying out a bunch of options in the world in terms of, I can go do voyages, I can work on my season renown progression. There's options you know visibly shown in the sky in terms of what i can engage with and there's also kind of ships sailing around the world i can choose to ambush myself so that's really the the kind of trade-off and the balance that, that we're always wrestling with yeah so and, yeah Go just on that mike and also chris there's one event that obviously isn't necessarily dictated by the world event scheduler which is the fort of the damned which is player activated mm. one of the questions that we've seen come up quite a lot is do we have plans for additional kind of player activated emergent events or is this something that we kind of want to keep special to Fort of the Damned or use in a slightly different way in terms of the technology like what's our thinking around player activated um, events that draw people to a certain place on the map we uh, I'll do my version and then Chris can jump in like Chris Chris will know as well we, we've like we we've, like, we've had designs for this kind of thing in the past um and I think timing just wasn't right in terms of when we wanted to bring them in especially with some bringing something in as impactful as the Fort of Fortune uh, Fort the Damned um, and, and like you say, Christina, the, the, the magic of that and why it's unique is that there's a high bar of entry in terms of what you need to prepare in terms of the, the flames of fate and having the ritual skull. But the fact that it's controlled by our players, players are essentially creating emergent events for other people in the world. That's the power of them. And we've always loved that idea. Mm -hmm. um, but the essentially the, the setup of the Fort of the Damned around taking a ritual skull it's almost like that is what governs the type of experience you're going to have. So we don't have any plans ar around that at the moment, but part of the way we developed the, the Fort the Damned was around, could potentially there be different skulls that you could put into there that would give you a different types of experience, but also across the world, more examples of player-created emergent opportunities. I think that's something that you don't see in other games to the way we could do it in Sea of Thieves. So it's definitely an area we want to explore more in the future. Yeah. I don't know if you can sidestep around some of the stuff we did in the past, Chris, without giving too much away. Well, I think, I think it's, it's almost like your figure skating analogy again, is that we knew we had the ingredients with the, with the Flames of Fate and the Ritual Skull as a device that is kind of colour-coded as well. Like, we have left the, the door wide open for when we do loop back around. But there's still so many other things that we, we can't help but address. But again, the whole player-generated moment, that, that kind of feeds into a lot of the other things we, we, we design. And so to go back to Reaper's Bones when we were doing Ships of Fortune, and basically the Reaper's mechanics of the Reapers always appearing on the ship map. The Reapers, if you vote to become a Reaper, you are becoming an impact on the server that players can choose to engage with, players can choose to avoid. And then that extra step of when they hit maximum grade, 
they can see every other emissary location on the map. So if you're sailing as an emissary, you see that there's a grade four Reaper, you can choose to actually try and get the advantage to tackle that Reaper before they hit grade five, before you become the mouse that the cat chases, you've got a chance of actually heading that off. But then again, when we were designing the Reaper's Bones, we, we spoke about a grade five Reaper ship being a server boss battle, a player boss battle. And, and so it, it, it's great kind of instincts, great sentiment to talk about player generated events, but rather than rinse and repeat and the same kind of thing, we just try and find other ways to weave in that kind of sentiment into what we design out where it makes sense. Nice. <laughs> I'm loving yeah. this search engine optimization terms you're going to be putting in for this, by the way. It's like, it's ice cream, it's figure skating, it's hands in there. <laughs> um, what, what else is going to be going in? The word, the word to, cloud, to, the word cloud yeah. is really confusing, isn't it? <laughs> Even more than the old podcast. <laughs> Start as you mean to go on. Have you any more questions, Christina? Are you, have, have we rinsed you? Let's have a wee look, shall we? Um, no, I think we've covered... Absolutely everything we kind of wanted to cover. I think, Mike, the, one of the other questions I wanted to, to fetch to you was, you know, Ash and Lords, Skeleton Fleets, etc. They've been super popular additions to the game this past year. But do we have any plans to mix it up potentially with new types of world events? But you touched on that a little bit earlier. If you would like to elaborate more now, you're more than welcome to, though. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess the, again, talk, I did talk about it earlier in terms of the, the, the scope of experiences that we want to add. And I think part of, part of, revisiting the world events uh revisiting that we're doing at the moment is around just making sure it's an accurate reflection of what players are excited by it reflects the inflation of their game economy and and since we've added emissaries and reapers which was obviously completely deliberate in terms of giving people more opportunities to earn gold bringing the world events basically up to up to spec in terms of what they need to offer players um i mean that's really because we want to keep them a an exciting part of the game and in the future Absolutely, we'll we'll continue to look at new world event opportunities and way we can ways we can use world events to introduce completely new pieces um, of content that that may exist in the game elsewhere as well, but they they are celebrated as a world event. So, yeah, without giving too much away, it's something that we we talk about a lot in terms of it's part of I think it's part of um, the experience when people think about Sea of Thieves. You now, seeing the school cloud in the sky, it's in so many Sea of Thieves screenshots when you just search for Sea of Thieves. I think it's in our players' heads all the time when they're playing the game. It's a big part of what makes Sea of Thieves um, kind of unique in how we use them. So, yeah, absolutely. We'll be, we'll be continuing to talk about them and invest in them. We've got some very interesting ideas uh, on the table and some kind of early designs. But, yeah, no, no time frame set on them as yet. Nice. Perfect. The, um... All the grilling. <laughs> oh, that wasn't too bad. I mean, I mean, the other thing to say as well is maybe, maybe we have been a little bit more evasive in terms of CRTs on this podcast. But if you do want to get a more involved CRTs, like we've paid off Duke. Duke is out there in the world now, and he's taken on the mantle of being the CRTs guy. So if you can, if you can find Duke somewhere <laughs> in the world, maybe, maybe he'll give you some little insights on what might be coming in in the future CRTs this year. He's <laughs> <laughs> taken the pressure paid, paid off, off paid off the uh, the social channels teams as well though haven't we so you might want to keep an eye on what the social channels put out as well I've got to look everywhere look everywhere hints are everywhere or are they who knows 
Even I also look under under the fort for a tiny hand simmer. He will be there. <laughs> uh, the um, so like um, I've lost my train of thought now. Thinking about this is how we talk. Simmer. By the way, this is how we talk when on the team. This is not a podcast special. This is <laughs> this is how we talk. But we don't use academic buzzwords on the team. We just pick a relatable term. So, oh yeah, yeah, get a bit of Hans Zimmer in there. He's down there with the organ. You've got to find him. Like that's how we talk. That's how we talk on the team. So if anyone overhears the design team's conversation, they can relate to it because people oh, yeah. like people like Batman Begins. I guess that's the Easter egg that everyone's been trying to find but hasn't found yet. Just a tiny yeah, Hans Zimmer. Yeah. The um, but just before we like we wrap this up, um, I guess like. Talking about like why we're doing the podcast at the moment is probably a good uh, like a good thing to touch on because and and then making that commitment I guess to yeah. the to the, to the community. Um, Joe, do you want to do that? Yeah, yeah, I can. And obviously, everyone and chip in if you, and however however you want. But I think like Mike alluded to, actually, like the the questions today wasn't too much of a grilling, right? In terms of oh. the topics and things that we chose, it's a gentle introduction. But we we definitely you know if we, if we look back at the last year or however long i don't know like 15 months or something but basically whenever we stopped doing the weekly dev updates we went to kind of see a thieves news and and they've kind of been a bit more sporadic and more centered around the updates we're doing and, and things is that um it kind of feels a little bit like we've lost that direct connection that direct kind of conversation and communication with the, with the community and um and we've always loved that as part of sea of thieves and so actually it felt like a long kind of a long form and and this feels like it's been quite long which is good i think um but uh like we've talked about a lot there's been we've gone into a lot of detail but um we want that long form conversation we want to hit some of the kind of hot topics and the the key questions that our community have right so we've got a long list of things that we want to talk about in in future episodes where we'll have some kind of some, some in-depth questions and we'll hit some of the kind of biggest topics that, that are on uh, our community's minds and i think like, I'm really hoping that this kind of allows us to really reopen that kind of just that thread of, of conversation and communication because like, like Mike says how we talk here is not very different to how we talk normally right on the team and the things that we talk about and because I don't think there's anything to kind of hide right and um, it's it's like the more open we can be the more transparent we can be the better so um, I've, I've yeah I've really enjoyed just getting back into this with them. I think it's great. I think it works even even from kind of home, and it's great to see all of your lovely faces as well. Um, uh, but but yeah, that's so that's kind of my perspective on this, uh, Christina. Yeah. I don't know if you. Oh, yeah, I guess the, from my perspective, we are we've been so good in, in terms of being forthcoming with what's happening inside the game, what's coming to the game, how you interact with that. But we have a whole host of questions that we just have almost left a little unanswered or, or danced around for the past however many months. And really, for me, making sure this podcast podcast is obviously like relevant and topical, but slightly update agnostic in that we can go back and discuss, you know, pain points for our community, Joe, as you mentioned, things like hit registration, which we know is a super hot topic um, and other bits and pieces like that, exploits or whatever you might want to touch on. This podcast is a space for us to explore those with some nuance and with that detail, rather than it just be a tweet which doesn't have that nuance or um, something that happens, you know, 20, 30 seconds of, of Sea of Thieves news. This is a, a, a really nice space for us to, you know, with humor and insight, go into those topics that we haven't addressed in any any kind of great detail for a, a little bit of a while. So that's what I love about this. It also means that, you know, we're going to get to introduce more faces to 
our players. You know, seeing Chris and Alex guesting here, you won't be the first guest, so hopefully we'll have you back. But we'll hopefully rotate and just remind people of who the studio are and the faces there as well, because it's been a long time since we've all been in together, and it's a long time since we've all you know shared nice pictures of like the grounds and our dogs and us at our desks. Um, this gives us another way to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I, th I think part of, well, I'd say some of my best memories, and, and th there's a lot I'm privileged enough to say there's been some fantastic memories obviously creating this game, and we're still forming new ones that, that we'll always remember. But I think some of my favorite memories have been, um, you know, when we've been, we've had the opportunity to go to conventions or shows and talk about Sea of Thieves, and we're there, we're there to talk about the latest piece of content or talk about the process of creating this game. That's that's cool. That's cool as you'd expect. But for me, like I forget about those bits. They're gone. I can't even remember what we talked about on stage sometimes. The bit that stick in my mind is the 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 hour, the two, the three hours afterwards where we get to see people that play Sea of Thieves and we get to just talk openly, not being about it's not about a message. It's just talking about this this is this is who we are, this is what we value, this is why we made those decisions. Because I think that's just it's just part of life, right? No one, no one, not everyone is going to agree with the things that we choose to do and the content we choose to build and in what order we choose to build that content. But I think the the podcast and, you know, having that one-to-one -one connection with our community, it's all about, like, I mean, for us, allowing allowing people who, who love Sea of Thieves and enjoy Sea of Thieves to see what is that thought process? What are the principles that guide the decisions that Rare make? What's, what's the truth behind the, the, the lovely videos that we put out which are there to kind of land on this specifically and they're wonderful but like what's the reality behind it and, and who are we and what, what do we what do we stand for what do we think is important what are we trying to say with sea of thieves and i think I, I know i know joe has i'm sure we all have i've missed that i've really missed that direct connection with our audience because that that is the the 50% of what makes Sea of Thieves special. It's special because we've tried to do something different with this creative experience, but it's been an experience that we've built with the community. We've, they've been on the journey with us. And that one bit that we've been missing is the chance to have, as Joe says, that long-form conversation, the chance to just let it breathe and explore the why behind it all. Um, that's it. So, yeah, it's great. Glad, glad, glad we're all back again. Yeah, it's been awesome to get this back on back on the road and drag it out of the ferry where it's been crying in the corner for the past two years. Um, <laughs> but uh, we hopefully it won't be too long before we're all uh, back in the back in the studio and we're all round the table again together because that would be very right. very nice. Um, but yeah. That's... No, 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 no. Before oh, we go, oh, before we go, oh, come on. Okay. I can't believe unless I missed it and I was tuned out, which is possible. Like. <laughs> Like we haven't acknowledged the fact that we just want a BAFTA. Like everyone on here is oh now my God, yeah, yeah. BAFTA we didn't, winning. We didn't even mention it. BAFTA winning, like before yeah, each yeah. of your names. That's how you should have introduced everyone. <laughs> BAFTA winning, Chris Davies. BAFTA, like. Uh, but but in all seriousness, like that, it's amazing. Like it's amazing, it's amazing recognition, yeah. amazing, and it was so unexpected. Um, like even just the fact you had to record a video not knowing if you'd won and we just assumed we hadn't so we just had some fun but um but uh, like such great recognition especially for the last year like everyone said at the start right like it's been a tough year um the the kind of the game almost and the community and everything kind of keeps you going like keeps you motivated like chris said and to to be to be recognized i think for that see these has been a place for people to escape and to kind of connect together and, and for all the team's work is is incredible so congratulations to you congratulations to the whole rare team um and obviously all of our 
our community as well who are all part of this grand adventure but like it's 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 awesome isn't it it's well done in the acceptance speech yeah <laughs> That was, that was clearly the acceptance speech of a man that didn't think he was going to win. <laughs> it, was, it was awesome. It was awesome. It was really good. It is. It's one of those things where maybe maybe we we don't stop and celebrate things like that because we're we're always looking always looking to the future. It's never about the past. But yeah, yeah, like, yeah. a lot of I mean, I'm sure for all of us, so many kind of pent up emotions of you know, getting recognition like that and seeing Sea of Thieves in that particular spotlight is absolutely mind blowing. Um, but it is, it's just, it's, it's great to celebrate. And it is a, you know, what a wonderful kind of pat on the back to the whole team that has made all this possible. But it is, just, it is like to, to what you were saying, Joe, it is the, it's the wind in air sails to keep going, to keep re- reaching even further, to top that. Stand yeah. on the shoulders of that little BAFTA and reach even further. That's what we need to do. <laughs> the real galvanizing milestone a year into working from home as a studio, right? Is, uh, you know, best evolving game. A year working at home was, was, crazy right and feels like we're only as i said earlier it feels like we're only just getting started there's loads to come next year so exciting we're going to be saying that line by the way while we're like we're completely gray i've got a white beard (laughs) 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 can't wait Well, there we go. Well, after that one, like it's uh, just left for me to, to say goodbye. And thank you very much to everybody who's watched or listened. And remember, if you wanted to, if you have just been listening to us while working out on those, those biceps, then you can head over and watch our faces on YouTube. I think we'll probably be in glorious 4K on there. And then that'll be compressed into team's quality and you'll get to see us all in our blocky faces um, from there. But I love the way the sun's been creeping in on you throughout the whole yeah, podcast. I'm, I'm not going to just... lie, my right shoulder is frying. Right <laughs> <laughs> it's part of the reason why I'm definitely hurrying through this. I can feel it, I can feel it burning. The, um, Add that to the list yeah. of confirmations for this podcast, like John McFarlane, not a vampire. Rebalance world events and not despite his pale, sweaty complexion, not a vampire. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) yeah, thank you for everybody joining, and thank you to to everybody on here for taking the time. I know everyone's super busy getting everything exciting ready for this year, uh, exciting stuff ready for this year that's coming, but yeah, thank you again. And we will catch you all next time. Remember, if you want your questions to be answered on this, uh go on to any of the social channels really and let Christina go find you with a hashtag uh, SOT podcast SOT podcast I just made that up before the show so please use it and I'll be I'll be proud very proud very very proud and thank you very much and I'll see you all next time goodbye <laughs>